Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Oh, such good worship. I love that. Oh, my goodness. We were created to worship. We were created to worship. Just to give you some feedback on uh, tithes and offerings, um, Brian, our treasurer, will be given a, an update in February on the financial giving, but when I get thank yous from around the world for what you've done, I wanna share them with you. Um, this is locally, you know, we, we, I think it was 15.6% of all income that came in went out this year, this past year. And so we believe in the tithe that doesn't stop here, and we also believe in offerings. And um, this one's from the, um, it's called Life Update. There are several radio stations in town, and uh, Life 90.5, It says, a life update, so much has happened in 2021. Dear Pastor Tom, you've activated generosity in 2021 and you've provided experiences that have delivered the message, hope is not canceled. Kind of an interesting message this morning, right? This was written a couple weeks ago. And it says, your financial support has helped with only, not, not only with true hope that is in Christ. And so, thank you Global River for all that you've done. God has opened new doors on that mission, so. Pastor Tom, thank you in advance for continuing that hope is not canceled. And it's got a whole bunch of really amazing parts of the ministry that that, uh, the radio station does. And then tomorrow night, I believe, uh, women's ministry, Kingdom Women, the uh, Lifeline Pregnancy's coming, right? Man, that that is an awesome testimony. We've We've given to that ministry, and I think I shared with you before, there were 400 babies that were gonna be aborted last year in town that are not, they're alive because of that ministry. And so, I mean, celebrate, celebrate that life. And, and um, then overseas, um, just so many things going on in Nepal, baptizing our guys there. Um, Kent and Andrea in Mozambique have recovered, that last report, praise God. Malaria, flesh-eating bacteria, robberies, I mean, Mozambique is just a really hard place. India's a really hard place to minister to as well. They're a lot of hard places, but thank the Lord. Costa Rica, just great. So thank you all for what you make possible. The kingdom is advancing, and and the violent will take it by force. Hallelujah. All right. Um, The message this morning has been cooking for quite a while. We've been through a lot, and so I wanna, and and my family's recovering from COVID, (laughs) Mom Hauser, if you're listening live stream, I think next door neighbor Molly was helping her set up the computer, bringing her computer over. So all she had to do was push a button. And uh, so mom, I trust you're online. Get well. She had, uh, she tested positive back a few days ago. Um, So praise the Lord. The fever's gone and we're thanking the Lord for that. My whole family's had it. All my grandkids, uh, they're all recovered. Uh, They're in quarantine. I think this is the final day for Laura and those four kids. Sarah's husband, Mike, he's recovering. Praise God. So we all have antibodies, and the Lord is doing it. Amen? Amen. All right. So let me, uh, the message titled this morning is, Why Does God Allow Suffering? With a sub, (laughs) with a subset, dealing with the problem of evil in God's plan. So let me sort out, in order to understand this, if you think about um, you're driving down the road of life and there's guardrails on either side, in order to really understand this 
why does God allow this? And how about evil? Why didn't he just wipe it all out? There's really uh, two parts of this that we really have to unpack. The first is free will. The definition of free will is the power to act without constraint. Another subset of that is to act on one's own discretion. Because you see, love is not real if it's forced. It's called something else. And so, in order for love to be real, and if God is love, First John tells us God is all love. We feel it, we express it, we try to move in it, but he is it. And so, if he is it, uh, and that's his nature, he's completely love. In order for him to be truly a giver of love and a receiver of love, it's gotta be free. You have a free will to choice. Um, I think it was Jerry at, at, work, at uh, prayer this week said something that tr- triggered me. He says, you know, if, uh, if Satan was good enough to talk the angels out of heaven, he might be big enough to talk you into hell. So be careful, right? So we, we dealt with this whole thought and what you believe. And so in dealing with the two sides of the guardrail, free will is an absolute in God's kingdom. Well, the second part of this is a little more complicated. I think we've touched a little bit maybe in times past. The difference between who's in charge and who's in control. Who's in charge and who's in control. My wife wife said, that's the same thing. I said, oh, no, no. We're going to pull this down and take it apart. And so when we look at this, God is in charge of the universe, right? But then he made a command and he decided, we're going to make man and woman in our image Genesis 1.26, and I'm going to give you dominion. You have dominion over this earth. Yes, we do. Right? And so you need to exercise the dominion. So, example. Um, let me give several to unpack this better. The difference between who's in charge and who's in control, and are there times when the two merge? We'll, we'll talk about that. So my, some might say, Pastor Tom's in charge of the church. The good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> I like the good side, but uh, you're in a passing, you know, n- that never happens. But um, so, but guess what? When Daniel, Christian, who sets up the AV, did you like the, the, the colors and everything? Look at this, it's nice, right? We have a vision, and in the back of your, your bulletin is the vision, which I would love you to look at and actually memorize, um, at least have a vision so you can express that to others. But in the vision of the church, Daniel fits in that, but I don't tell him how the cameras are, I couldn't even tell him how the cameras are supposed to work, right? And how you zoom this and how you do this and we're gonna live stream that. Thank you, Daniel, right? The same in children's ministry. I may be in charge of the church, but I don't tell Nico and Diana, why don't you teach this subject this morning? Now, there might be times I would, but I can't remember a time when I would. So there's, there's a place of who's in charge, but there are control areas that you are in control of. You're expected by your responsibilities at work, at home, right? Um, let me give you another example. Your car and your teenager, should you have one of those? I've had several. You own the car, you pay the insurance, you pay the registration, you get it checked out. You're legally the owner of that car. And if it gets wrecked, you're also responsible, right? So you're in charge of your car, but your teenager comes and you give them permission to take the car to the beach. 
Now, you're still in charge of the car, but your teenager is now driving the car. To what speed? Do they turn the lights on? Do they even check this gas in the thing, right? How many are gonna ride with them? Where are they gonna park it, right? And you give them a curfew because their permit only allows them to be out at night till nine, so you be home at nine. Whether your teenager decides that even though you're in charge of your car, whether they're gonna come home with your car is really their control. You seeing the difference here? Okay, this is very important when we start to look at how this fits, because you'll be a whole lot more peaceful with this if you get this concept. Mom, you're in charge of the kids at home while daddy's working, right? So when little Johnny whacks little Sally over the head, that was not your plan or desire, that was not your will for your child, but he did it anyway, right? So you're in charge, mom, but little Johnny decided to take control and whack his sister, and there's consequences to that, all right. There's times, however, when you exercise your charge really over control or the two merge. Example, you're in the car with your teenage child and we're driving and the teenage child says, I would like to drive through New York City. And dad says, I'm exercising my charge over this, I'm taking control, no you're not. You're not ready for that, right? So there's times, another example of that would be when Jesus decides to come back in his second coming, it's done. Your dominion over that is now done. He just exercised his charge, put control together, and it's finished. So once we understand these concepts of, it's, it's easier to understand why does God allow this and how does this whole evil thing work? So let's unpack this a little more. Do you ever cause pain or sadness to the people you love? Only one said yes, the rest of you? Hello? This communion next week. <laughs> Remember we're in church, no lion. So, well, no lion anytime, praise God, okay. Do you ever cause pain or sadness to the people you love, even if it was not your desire or your intention? Okay, why do you do that? If you love them, why do you do that? Mm. Now, if you take the concept, we're, we're a sinful people, sometimes we just mess it up because we're, we're messy, we don't intend to, misunderstood. But now take it up to the God area. God is perfect, God is good, and he has no sin. So when, he, when we see pain or sadness that looks like God is not intervening, we gotta look at this differently. He is not intentionally inflicting evil upon you, even though he gets blamed for a whole lot of stuff. Because his ways are higher than our ways. Example. I don't know if my one daughter's listening online, but just suppose you had a teenage daughter who used a fire escape ladder while you were out of town with your wife to go out the second story window and sneak out when she was a teenager. And we come home and she gets busted. We see the marks on the windowsill. And uh, she's grounded for the summer. Now, I could have given no pain or no suffering because but she has lost control of what she was told to do, therefore I now exercise charge over her. She sees it as daddy is mean, 
and he is not caring about me. I'm old enough. I know what I'm doing. Daddy says, no, you're not. And going out at night, all night, and hanging with your friends, you're not doing that. So the pain and suffering she had, I caused her, but it was because it was for her good, and I loved her. Right? So one more example. The toddler who gets his hand slapped for the fourth time you've told him, don't touch the hot stove. And you smack his hand and he says, you don't love me, you know, crying, you know. From that perspective, sees mommy or daddy as this mean, and we understand more because our ways are higher than the understanding. You got the concept, right? Okay. All right, so moving on. This whole concept of free will, angels have free will. Okay? If you want to, we won't go there, but if you want to know more about Satan and his fall, you can read in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, also in Revelation 12. So the angels have free will. Now, they don't have the same sinful nature that we do, but we also know that they have free will, and they can exercise that. You see that in Revelation 12, where it says there was a war in heaven, an angel Satan and all of his demons, one-third of the angels that were in heaven, that's a whole lot, were thrown down. The good news is they were thrown out of heaven. The bad news is they were thrown to earth. And so the angels that are here, and I believe that's part of what the demonic realm is and the the wrestles we have, right? John 10.10 that says he's come to kill, steal, and destroy. And so there's a demonic realm that has made a choice in their free will. If you look at um, Isaiah 14, Satan said, Lucifer, who was the, created as the, an amazing cherub of worship, beautiful, and absolutely beautiful. Here's where pride got him in trouble. These are quotes, I will ascend to heaven, I will set my throne on high, I will sit upon it, I will make myself like the most high pride and arrogance in free will, created beautifully, made a choice, kicked out of heaven, took one-third, talked one-third of the myriad of angels to go with him. So don't ever say that God tempts with evil. He does not. James 1, 13 and 14. A person is drawn by their own lusts or evil desires and entice and drag us away. So The problem with evil is not God's original plan. Angels and humans had free will, they chose sin and rebellion, and then God provides redemption, and he uses both man's and and angels' good and bad choices to accomplish his perfect will. He's in charge, and his ways are higher, Isaiah 55, eight and nine. And then he works all things together for good. Romans 8, 28. So when Jesus says this in John 16, 33, I've told you all this, just before he leaves, he says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you're gonna have many trials and sorrows. I wish he didn't have the many on there. (laughs) But he tells the truth. You're gonna have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world, John 16, 33. Some of your translations say you're gonna have tribulations. That word is really an interesting word. The, the definition of tribulation is a cause of great trouble. You're gonna have great troubles and sorrows. 
Then there's another scripture that is a little mystifying to me, but it's what it is. It says, Jesus, this is Hebrews 5, 8, Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered. That is mysterious to me. But Jesus had free will. Remember? Remember in the garden? Sweat and blood before. He knows what's going to take place. It was planned before the foundation. That he cre- and he asks the Father, can we do this another way? Three times praying in prayer, asking the disciples to pray with them while they're asleep, falling asleep. He says, nevertheless, not my will, yours. So he surrenders his will for this perfect redemption. So take a look at your outline. Now that we've got... A sermon within a sermon, my wife always says. (laughs) But in order to set this up, why does God allow suffering in dealing with the problem of evil? Number one there, on the paragraph above number one, it says, everyone experiences suffering and evil, and then asks why. Why? That's, That's healthy to ask why, because if you look at, just don't read all of it, but there's three. I've listed one, two, and three there. I believe there are three Uh, sources of suffering. The first one is other's sin. The person who is a drunk driver and gets on the road and violates and kills an innocent person. Their sin caused this suffering. Their free will exercised in sin. So sin by other people causes suffering. Second one there is our sin and rebellion opens doors to our own suffering. Not only suffering from others, we also experience suffering from the consequences of our own sinful actions. Sin of immorality, drugs, alcohol, lawlessness, addictions, adultery, family breakdown, prison, sickness from substance abuse. Just an example. These all have these things. There's consequences to those choices that God said, don't do them. I mean, if you read this, he tells you, don't do these things, right? But we do them, and then we have a consequence, and then we blame God. It's like the little toddler who says, you don't love me. Oh, no. So, and then the third one is the devil. Sin and rebellion comes from the devil and his demons that are out there coming to kill, steal, and destroy. In John 10, 10, he also said, Jesus said, but I've come to overcome this world. So, let's look at a couple of scriptures that... um, if you've ever had these complaints before God, you're not alone. <laughs> Let's look at Job chapter seven. Why don't you open there, Job seven. It's a, there's really 21 verses here, but remember Job, he's a righteous man, and Satan draws attention to him, and then the Lord and Satan, and the Lord knows everything, And there's a scripture in Job 3 that says, Job says, that which I have greatly feared has come upon me. See, fear is an open door. The devil can smell fear. It's like the landing gear on putting down, open up the lights for a plane to land. You got fear operating because perfect love expels fear. So fear is not given to you by God. Remember first in uh, Timothy it says, he's not given us a spirit of fear but power, love, and a sound mind. So if he didn't give it to you, who did? You know who did. And once you operate in fear, what you're actually operating is doubt and unbelief, and it's a form of subtle complaining. I'm fearing and anxious. Now, there's healthy fear. There's things that, you know, watch out for traffic, watch out for riptides. Those are healthy things. But there's this part of 
No, I don't trust that you're big enough to help me. That kind of fear is very detrimental. I believe Job had that. He also says he was a very righteous man, the most righteous man. So he was righteous, but he had a door open there of fear, that which I greatly, and so you know what happens. He, he proves that a man will love God even if it's torturous. He wins this thing, he gets a double blessing. But in Job 7 it says this, verse one, reading out a New Living Translation, Job 7, one. Is not all human life a struggle? Our lives are like a hired hand, like a worker who longs for the shade, like a servant waiting to be paid. I too, have been assigned months of futility, long and weary nights. That was interesting that Carrie shared that. Weary nights of misery, lying in bed, I think, when is the morning? But the night drags on, I toss till dawn, and my body is covered with maggots and scabs. My skin breaks out open, oozing with pus. Ew, yipes. No wonder he was like, Help me, Lord. Okay. I'm without hope, he says in verse 6. Number, uh, verse 11, it says, I cannot keep from speaking. I must express my anguish. Anguish. My bitter soul must complain. I love the song that Amy and the team opened with where it said, let's sing to our souls right now. David did it. Sometimes you need to encourage your soul. Speak to your soul, right? And so, Verse 15, this is awful. He says, I would rather be strangled than die and suffer like this. <laughs> I'd rather die. I'd rather you strangle me. That's pretty despairing. I think he lost hope. Verse 16, you ever said this? I hate my life and I don't want to go on living. Oh, leave me alone for my few remaining days. I pray you're not in that position at all. We'll give you prayer at the end. Why do you make your target? Verse 20. Why am I a burden to you? Why, if it's sin, why don't you forgive me? So we see that Job is like, he's in dear, deep des- desperation. One more, turn to, to the right, and let's go to Psalm 22. This actually is the prophetic psalm about Jesus on the cross. And if Jesus can get into a place of despair, what about us, right? Now, of course, he was sinless, But when he hung on the cross and the whole weight of all of your sin and all of my sin forever, forever, forever was put on him. He became, again, this is mysterious. The son of God became sin. The one who was never sin, had never committed us, became sin. Again, this is mysterious, and he's hanging there, and at that moment, remember in John 17, we are one with God, that you would be one, that I'm one with him, and this is oneness. They separated in oneness at this moment in history. That ought to do something to your heart. It says, he goes, goes, my God, verse one, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from my words of my roaring? At that moment, when he became sin, he recognized the oneness was broken. So this triune oneness of God, the mysterious, how does one true God, the three persons, but he can't look at the sin, and it was short, but at that moment, 
He paid the price. And so when we see this desperation, it's possible for us to get to this place in the midst of suffering. So there's, there's others here. Jeremiah 14, we won't turn there. He felt abandoned by God. He's doing God's will. He's the prophet, and they throw him in prison. And So we see this. Number one, God allows suffering. And that's our human experience, and it's the consequences of the sin of others. This is a, certainly we know that from Adam and Eve, but how about Joseph, right? This is a really great example. Joseph has a dream. Now, probably in his pride, (laughs) he tells his brothers, man, you're going to come and worship me. Y'all going to bow down to me? So the younger brothers telling the big boys, you're going to come and you're going to get at my feet. And they're like, yeah, right, yeah. So he might have opened a door there, but that's probably, from what I read in Scripture, the only time where he might have cracked a door. After that, he sold into slave. First, they're going to kill him, but that was not God's plan. So they decide not to kill him, so they throw him in a pit, and then they say, well, let's sell him. We'll get some money for this, so they sell him into slavery. And you know the story. He ends up in slavery, then he's serving in Potiphar's house, and he's a moral, upright man, and Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him, and he refuses that. Then she lies about him. He's thrown in prison, right? Talk about, poof. While he's in prison, the baker and the candlestick maker and all, you know, okay. So there he's in the prison. He can interprets dreams. They forget about him. <laughs> so God says, I got, a, I got a plan for this guy. So he has the Pharaoh have a dream who's disturbed and seven years of fat cows and skinny cows. It's like, these dreams are like wild. He says, somebody interpret, I know somebody who can interpret that dream for you. His name's Joseph, he's in prison. Bring him over here. What's happening? He's then elevated to be second in command of all of Egypt. What's God doing? Now, you and I would sit there and say, and I'd probably be in the pit like, I'm sorry I told my brothers that, you know, get me. And then, Lord, you told me to be a moral man. I didn't do that with her, and, and now I'm in. I'd be there. I probably, I, maybe I'm smarter or wiser or more mature now, but I'm trying. So, but we'd probably say, this is unfair. Where's God's goodness? How come you would allow this to a righteous person? I thought you were good. I thought you were powerful. I thought you were all this. And God is working with the sins of all of this because what's he doing? He's looking years ahead And he's saying there's a famine coming in the earth and there are millions that are about to starve to death. I need a man that will stand and interpret this so millions can be saved. Looking back, this is what Joseph comes to Revelation on. He says this, I think it's in Genesis 45. I listed it there. Genesis 45, 5 and 50, 20, he says, God worked through the sins of his brothers in order to preserve life. So looking back with 2020, says, wow, God, you're awesome. You dealt with the sin, you dealt with that, and you redeemed. Yes, there was suffering in the midst of it, but what happens at the end? He's elevated, and he gets rewarded for his steadfastness. So we would say, wow, this is tough, God. What are you doing? Number two, our sin and rebellions opens the doors. When there's consequences to sin choices, we end up in 
dire places, sick, broken, addicted, prison. So we might have a tendency to blame God, but we need to remember what he said there in the last sentence of that, number two. It says, Galatians 6, 7 says, God will not be mocked. What you sow, you will reap. But if you'll reap joy, if you'll reap the truth, you'll sow that truth in your life and you'll reap the goodness of God. That's why he tells Joshua, meditate on this word day and night and you will prosper. But we have a tendency to think we know better or we're ignorant, which is not bliss because we don't, we do more on social media than we do in this or other things, right? Number three, suffering is caused by Satan and his demons. Bind the, it says he binds the minds of unbelievers and controls their lives. That listed there in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says the God of this world, Satan, has blinded unbelievers so they can't see the truth. Turn with me to Ephesians 2. Let's look at this one. This is probably where all of us were at one point. Ephesians chapter two, let's look at verse one. Ephesians two, one, once you were dead, hello, you mean you're either alive or dead? Yep, from a spiritual point of view, that's correct, it's not easy. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of the sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else but God. Ha! Ah, he's so rich in his mercy. He loved us so much that even when we were dead because of our sin, he gave his life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ so he can point to us in all the future ages as examples of his incredible wealth and grace. One day he's gonna point and say, look at my son and my daughter. You see that? I love what's, man, I was really moved by Leif's teaching Wednesday night. Man, that whole identity of who we are in Christ. Whew, there's a depth there that's endless to get to. And once we understand who we are and who he is, this helps a lot in all of this. Let's keep going. To allow suffering, if God, number three A there, it says, to say that God allows suffering does not mean God causes evil. That happens, or that, whatever happens, or that it's his will. God is never the instigator of evil or ungodliness, James 1.13. He does at times permit, but he also overrules. There's a time when he takes his charge, I shared that example, and he overrules control and says, nah, we're not having that. There's a point where he says enough is enough, right? A couple weeks ago, there's only so much sand in the hourglass, as mom would say, and then it's over. Example, the Holocaust. 
and the birth of Israel. Israel's sin turned away, but today as a result of that birth of that nation after the Holocaust, look at the millions upon millions that are being saved, coming in, migrating, aliyah, the technology. Do you know how, there are more technology advancements have come out of the Jewish people than any other people groups. He said, I would bless you. I'll bless the nations, right? Genesis 12, 13 says, I will bless those who bless, and you'll become a blessing to the whole world. That's true. And so it looks like when you look at the six million died, plus four million, plus countless millions in the war itself, man. But we see this. How about this example also with Paul, number four? Why is it that we may be entirely in God's will and faithful to him and yet still find ourselves in unpleasant places filled with suffering and trouble? Well, first Jesus told us. But the example of Paul, I just listed a few, we won't turn there, but man, Paul is in God's will and yet setbacks, storms, shipwrecks, snake bites, prison, chains, (laughs) all for the advancement of the kingdom. And Lisa shared this a few weeks ago. We're at war. Um, Turn with me to Revelation 12, one we've looked at before, but I just want to get this on the record. If you don't, you know, there are casualties in war, and there are innocent casualties in war, but it is a war. Now, he's already won this thing, but we're still in this process where the God of this world is still here and evil is still operating. So we know this, I quoted it earlier, this is that war in heaven. It deals with that, it says there was a war in heaven. But then I want you to drop down, he says we've overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and we don't even love ourselves unto death. This loud voice in heaven, verse 10. It has come at last, salvation, power, the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down. Those, he accuses them before God day and night and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and their testimony and they did not love their lives so much as they were afraid to die. Then it goes on, it says, but terror will come on the earth and in the sea. For the devil has come down to, in great anger and he has little time. So if you wonder why terror is rising, the levels of fear that are rising. Verse 17, and the dragon, Satan, was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children. Listen, who are the children? All who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony in Jesus. You gotta maintain your testimony. You've got to maintain it. King James says it this way. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war on the the, the remnant of her seed which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus operating in them. So when we see this, we see that there's suffering. It's in the earth. It comes with the territory. And yet the kingdom is advancing. The kingdom is advancing. So number five there, Christians suffer because we are one with him and we share in his sufferings. And that's, we just listed a few. Learning to be obedient. So okay, pastor, so this is my lot. When I became a Christian, I don't know if I saw that in the fine print, but it's part of the family, right? You're gonna suffer whether you're a Christian or not. 
So you might as well suffer for being a Christian. Because at the end of this thing, you don't want to suffer where they're going. So to me, it's like a no-brainer. <laughs> You're going to suffer. Why don't you suffer for Christ? Stop suffering by making stupid choices and all the stuff that's out there. So it says, Christians suffer for being one with him. So learning to be obedient, number six, God allows suffering as a catalyst to draw him, us to himself. He's actually working this all out. I, I often quote this, Philippians 1.6, he who began the work in you shall perform it till the day comes. So he's working. Remember the Michael, Michael Smith song, Miracle Worker? He's working even when I don't see him working, right? He's working, right? I love the song that they sang from Lauren Daigle, right? What happens when you don't move the mountains that I think you ought to move? What happens when you don't part the sea that I want to walk through? I still trust you. Amen. This is a reward. If you'll get this concept, this is really, really big. If you'll understand that if you will praise him in the midst of the suffering... This is such a reward because it says, I will let praise be continually in my lips, right? Psalm 34, let me continually praise him, continually. Wait a minute, don't you understand? My best friend, one of my best friends just died, God. We prayed and we fasted. I don't understand, but God, you're the one who's in charge. Now let's make the devil pay. Let's, make, let's take and run with that vision and that purpose. These are places where you, you can't do this in heaven. It's only on this side that the reward of your suffering, we offer the sacrifice of praise. We offer the sacrifice of our praise. My lips don't want to praise you right now, but it's not about what I feel. It's what I'm going to do because I know what your word says. And when you come into that place, he looks at that and says, my God, that's my son. That's my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. That is the place. We can offer this. It only comes in the trials, and it's part of the rewards. One day when you stand before him, and you will give an account. Be separated from the body is to be present with the Lord. That is that place. You will give an account for every word, everything, every thought that you did. That has not been repented, but it's that blood of Jesus that he says, I don't see it now. Not guilty, not guilty. Right? Jesus, the lawyer, in that courtroom and said, my son, I represent my son. I represent my daughter. That blood has released them. They are no longer guilty of that. But then he says, now what about the rewards? Do you know what my son and daughter did in this circumstance? Let us declare. It says it'll be shouted from the rooftops. This is the rewards. Some think it's the part of the crowns. I, I don't know. It's mysterious, but it's there. So you can be one of these idlers, or you can be one of those, wait, I know who he is, and I know that he's the lover of my soul. I don't understand it. I don't receive the pain and the agony from that torment. I'm not giving the devil any ground here. I stand and I worship him. Amen. That is the reward of the suffering. Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered. Again, I don't get why, the son of God, but he, was he had free will, just like you and just like me. He had free will, and at that moment, he gave his free will to the Father, and in that suffering on that cross, you become the multi-millions of millions of brothers and sisters that are now part of his, that will worship him forever. Amen. Come on. This is like, we got to get this. We got to get a hold of this. Once we do that, it's like, devil, get behind me. 
And we battle a few weeks ago. I shared, gave, gave you diagrams about thoughts and where the four, the four origins of thought and where they come from. And you got to take every thought captive, fix your minds on what is right, pure, holy, just. That's the spiritual warfare of every day, yeah. multiple times. You got to fight this war because yeah. you're being bombarded like probably no other generation has ever been bombarded by sin. It's there in social media. It's lo- it's all over the place. There's been sin always but not like today. And that's why it says in Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13, it says, there is going to be such evil that's going to be released on this planet that there is going to be such a falling away that the love of many will grow cold. There will be sin rampant and everywhere and that tribulation that will come as never before. It's like, well, God, why am I alive right now? Maybe I want to go home. (laughs) He says, actually, God takes some people home early so they can avoid some of the suffering. Again, he's a good father. He's good all the time. All the time. Don't you ever let the devil whisper in your ear, where's the goodness of God? Devil, let me tell you what. I will be there on the day that they drag you into the barbecue pit, and you're going to pay. And I'm going to celebrate with my God. That is good. You tell him. You stand up, you tell him. It's time for the war. I was going to do an altar call. Maybe we will. I don't know. Where's the warriors? Where are they? Where are the ones that said, look, I'm going to stand. We're going to stand. Praise God. Well, let's do it. All right. uh, Daniel, would you put on some music in the background? I wanted to do some extended extended time here. The rest of this, we've kind of shared this. I just want you to know the God of all hope is the God of hope. So let's put on some music. Lord, I pray right now. If you're in a place, first of all, you want to repent for any of the, Lord, I've been kind of crying in my soup. Oh, God, don't you see? Come on, I'll be the first one on the line here. I'll admit it, right? Lord, don't you know Neil and Bill and Lord. He knows everything. He knows everything. Guess what? We're starting to see some of the fruit. When families start to come and say, tell us about our daddy. Tell us about their life. Oh, I would trade my life for all my children and grandchildren to be under the kingdom covering forever. So, Lord, I pray. If you're here, and look, I I just want to repent for complaining or crying in my soup that why don't you step forward and just come here? I'll be first. I'll stand next to you. When I get to preach these sermons, you know, I preach to myself first. So, Lord, I repent for times when I've complained and wondered, just like Job. How about when Paul asked three times for his thorn in the flesh, and the Lord said, No. My grace is sufficient for you. Paul accepted that. Why was he snake bit on the Isle of Patmos after shipwreck? So that all of the Malta could be saved. I've been there. That's an armpit. I was in the Navy and I was there. Boy, do they need God. I saw some things there that I can't ever repeat. So Lord, I pray right now, your ways are much higher than our ways. Now, if you're here, and this is for the same one standing at the altar here, 
The Lord is raising up warriors for the last days. Now, the warriors, they don't have to look big and bad and ugly, fierce. They are in the spirit realm, but it could be the, the quiet little mama, grandmama, like my mother, who's down witnessing at Trails End. If, if she wasn't, if I have to order her, even her doctor had to order her, will you stay home? But I got fishermen down. I got people down. I'm witnessing to them every day. Mom. So you could be the quiet little church lady who is a fierce warrior. You just know your purpose. You know why you live. You know why you breathe. You know why you have the extra breath in your lungs. Why did you survive and others? Why am I still here and two younger brothers and my son are not? You gotta, you gotta wrestle with the truth that God, you have a plan. And I'm gonna make the devil pay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring as many with me as I can at this moment. Because you have placed us here for such a time as this. So I want to invite the warriors, those that are saying, I, I want to get some new warfare gifts and garments put on me. We're going to ask the Lord to dress us up for war. There's, you know, when the advancements, right now we are arming, many of they're arming the Ukrainians with the latest and the greatest stuff because of 100 and something thousand Russian troops on the Ukrainian border. We're sending tank killers and all this kind of, why? Because these are the latest and greatest things. And the Lord has the latest and greatest helmet of salvation, shoes of the gospel of peace, the belt that handles and covers the truth, a sword and a shield and a breastplate. It's the latest Kevlar. Wherever the bullet is that would try to penetrate the shield of faith here, or the shield that covers our, the blood covering of the garments that cover us, God, we want the latest. Whatever the enemy has fashioned in this season, he uses different weapons in the seasons of life. He's using social media as a current weapon. He didn't use that years ago. He wasn't capable but today he's using it. Therefore, we, the people of God, have to be armed with the latest of God's weapons. We have to be full of knowledge and understanding. That's the helmet of salvation that covers your mind. So God, I'm asking you right now, Holy Spirit, I ask you to release. Put your, if you want to, please, just put your hands on your head. Lord, I ask you to cover our minds. Lord, we need the mind of Christ. We've been given it. We've been promised it. But we can open our minds by free will to other things and let our thoughts go in places it should never go. So, Lord, I ask for the mind of Christ. God, I ask for the mind of Christ. Lord, I ask you to give us a new pair of shoes. It's the gospel of peace. I pray that these warriors will walk wherever they go in their houses, in their business places, in the marketplace. They will walk in the gospel that is filled with peace. It is the good news. God, I ask you to put on new shoes, nice kingdom shoes. Lord, I ask for the belt of truth, the truth that sets you free. That's the Holy Spirit. If, you don't, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, God, I pray right now a baptism of the fire of the Holy Ghost, a refilling of the fire of your presence that the spirit of truth will gird us, guide us, keep us in the name of Jesus. It's the truth that sets us free. It's the truth that leads us. It's the truth that shows us where to walk. God, I pray not only for the truth, 
But now, Lord, I ask for a shield. There's a time when the shield goes up and the arrows have to pierce the shield because it's not time to pull the sword. Lock shields and stand together against the fiery darts of the devil and let your faith, when you're in the battle place at night and the devil's whispering at you or things are coming at you in the emergency room, you stand under the shield of faith and say, my God says he will heal all sickness and disease. And then is a time when you pull out the sword and the snake's head has to come off. And that's the time when you wield the sword. The sword of the spirit. It's a two-edged sword. It's fierce. It's a living power, Hebrews 4.12. It'll cut between the soul and the spirit and a discerner in the intents of the flesh and the heart. Lord, let the sword come out. But give us the wisdom as to know when. Give us discernment. And then, God, we ask for the breastplate of righteousness, the blood of Jesus, the latest covering of all the organs and delicate parts of who we are. When all else fails, it's the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. He covers us, and the devil can't touch us. You are marked by the blood, and as a warrior, you are told in Ephesians 6, when you put on the full armor, you're to stand. You are to stand. You are to stand. And when you don't know what else to do, you turn and face the devil and you just stand. God, I pray a release of the power of God over all that are here today, God. Those listening by live stream. God, release the power of God. Now, God, I ask for the gifts of the Spirit to operate because a warrior that is not gifted does not understand how to use his weapons. We'll use them at the wrong time. And there'll be fire in places, friendly fire that damages others. So God, I ask you now for wisdom, knowledge, and discernment. 1 Corinthians 12, wisdom and knowledge. I gotta know some stuff, but I gotta have the wisdom to apply it, and I've gotta discern when, where, how, and with whom. I pray now an equipping of the maturity over these warriors with a new gifting of the presence of the Holy Ghost. And God, I pray that there will be faith, there'll be healings, and there'll be miracles, the kind of faith that opens the Red Sea, that speaks to the mountains. God, I pray for prophetic revelation. I pray for tongues and interpretation of tongues. God, release all the gifts now in the mighty name of Jesus that your warriors are fully equipped. But God, if they're not equipped with the fruit of the Spirit, they will hurt others. God, I pray now for the fruit, that love, the love of God. He tells us if you don't have love, you're useless. It's just sounds of noise. Love and joy and peace. Love and joy and peace. Goodness, kindness and gentleness. Faithfulness, mercy and self-control. God, I pray that the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the armor of the Spirit, that this warrior breed now, this tribe is fully equipped, armed and dangerous. You come against our families. You come against our children. You come against our friends. You come against our city. We stand. We stand. Yes, we're in war, and there will be casualties of war, but we're not going before God says so. We're not leaving until God says so. And so, Lord, I pray for great wisdom and strategies, strategic plans in every family, in every business, in every church house. 
in all the ministries, there would be great revelations of wisdom so that this city becomes powerful. It becomes famous for Jesus, not us. You become famous. God, I thank you for warriors who are not ashamed of the gospel. So God, I ask you to bring us along. We've got, we've got those who have been in battles, those who carry the scars, but we got new babies that are coming up. God, that's why we need the non-coms. We need them, God. We know we need those that have walked through this that'll bring along the babies that are gonna walk with us. So God, I pray right now that this is for the whole family. God will leave no one behind. So we leave no one behind. We leave no one behind. God, I thank you now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we just pray. God, I just pray an anointing. If you just kind of close your eyes, just let the peace of the Holy Spirit just rest on you right now. Holy Spirit, I ask you to heal hearts that have been broken in this season, any fears. We overcome the spirit of fear, discouragement, anxiety, grief, the spirit of grief that has tried to, it's okay to grieve, but it's not okay to give in to the spirit of grief. God, I pray right now, all discouragement, despair, disappointment has to leave in the name of Jesus because the God of all hope has released hope. That's the difference between believers and non-believers. We have hope, the Prince of Peace and the hope. We opened our service in prayer this morning out of, I love what Alicia shared, I wanna share it now, in Romans 15, and we'll close. Romans 15 in verse 13, I pray, that's our prayer, that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. Just let him know you trust him. We sang that, we trust you, Lord. We trust you, Lord. Even what we can't see, we trust you. Just like Joseph in prison, in the pit, we trust you, Lord. You got a bigger plan. You got a good plan. You got something bigger coming. Your ways are higher. We trust you. Put your trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I thank you. I thank you. Let it settle now, Lord. Settle these hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, turn, give somebody a hug. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. We got a celebration song? I don't know what you got, Daniel. Put up a celebration song, hallelujah. Hallelujah, God bless you, don't forget. Tomorrow night, Kingdom Men, Kingdom Women, Wednesday night, Kingdom Identity, praise the Lord. House of Mercy, Thursday, praise God. Thank you all for being here.